If you want to crush your quota, you're in the right place. My first year in sales, I sold $758,000 on a $150,000 quota, and that was just the beginning. I'm your host, Mary Grothy. I'm a former number one B2B mid-market SaaS sales rep turned CEO. I've sold millions in revenue, broken multiple records, and now I run a company that rebuilds revenue engines and creates top sales performance. This isn't a show about achieving quota. This isn't about being okay in sales. This is about being number one and learning what it takes to crush your quota. No two buyers buy the same way. And when you're selling to a buying team, which happens a lot in the mid-market, even in small business, you might be selling to more than a single decision maker. When you get into mid-market, you could have five to 10 people on the buying team. Thinking about enterprise, gosh, the number of people involved in that buying decision could be massive. And you have to identify it, not only who's involved, but what that process is. There's a who, what, where, when, why, when you're mapping out decision process of your buyer. And you can't copy paste what you know to each unique prospect that you have. There are going to be trends. There'll be some similarities, but ultimately they do it different and it is your responsibility as a salesperson to map out what that buyer's unique buying process is. And there's a few key ways you can do it. First, to understand the importance of the decision process, think about the last time you bought something. I bet the way you bought your last car is different from the way I bought my last car. I'm an emotional buyer. I don't care about details. I just know what I want. And when I see it, I execute the deal. I have a very quick buying process for the most part. When it's a large ticket item, I might have pause. But even then, I know my evaluation criteria and I'm quick to move. The only time I am slow or hesitant, or have any pause in my decision process is when it affects other people and I have people on my buying team, whether it's a personal purchase like with me and my husband or for my company and I need other key stakeholders internally to help me weigh the decision on what we really need. Well, I buy differently depending on the price, the size of the investment, the impact it's going to have on my life personally or professionally. And I don't buy the same way. Even though I have characteristics that are going to be present in each buying decision, which are I like pretty things, (laughs) I like when they look good, and I want to make sure it feels right. I I buy a lot on gut sense. I have to really like the salesperson. Whatever I'm buying has to make me feel like it's a good decision. People buy emotionally. Some people are a little bit more emotional than others when buying, and, and that would be me. Think about the last time you bought something, and then look at varying types of purchases, something you bought for your work environment, your day-to-day setup. Think about something that you bought personally and something just for you or something that might be shared with a significant other or a child or your family. How do you go about making that decision differently? Once you analyze that and realize, whoa, I'm very unique in how I make decisions depending on the circumstances, then you can empathize with your buyer and realize that they're not going to buy this potentially the same way that the last person that bought from you 
bought. And it's your responsibility to uncover how they buy. One of my favorite things to do first is to do a win-loss analysis. So if you go back on your last, I don't know, pick a number, half a dozen deals, whether you won or lost, and go through. And now that you're through the process, grab a piece of paper. Yeah, like a piece of paper and a pen. Super weird, I know. And write it out and map out who were all the players. What type of role did they play in the decision? When did you engage them in the process? Did you even know they existed or not? Did you find them? Did you think to invite them? Did the prospect invite them to the process? What was their title, their role? Why were they involved? But map it out. Take a take a handful of your last few deals and write them all out and say, okay, hey, I was surprised. I didn't know this department head needed to be involved in this. Or look, I was really shocked when the executive gave so much weight to the end user's decision on usability of the system, even though my product was going to save them substantial amount of money, the usability was slightly different. And gosh, I didn't realize that the person who's the power user was going to have so much weight in the decision even though their current provider is more expensive or whatever the case might be. But look at it. Typically, when you map out all the different people that are involved in a decision, you usually have people who are going to be the power users of the product or service that you sell. Their opinion could be very valuable because it's mostly on them, that user adoption. They have to know it, love it, buy into it, believe it's going to help make their life better. Then you look at above that, people who have to be responsible for the department who uses it. So you have a department head or manager, and this person is responsible for the success of that department or that person. And if the product or service that you're selling them, well, (laughs) they're responsible for the success of it and how it makes the department perform better. And so the manager may want to have more visibility into the usage of it and how They may convert from their existing provider to that one. But then you go up the chain even further. You may have a financial buyer. This could be anybody in accounting from CFO level down to accounting manager or procurement that's responsible for weighing decisions on value versus price and contract terms and whatnot. So you're going to have someone that cares about the T's and C's and the dollars and cents. They're not caring as much. They don't need to see a demo. They may not be as bought in on the use of it and getting into the weeds and how you can customize a certain technology. That may not be what they need to spend their time on, but they do need to understand the comparison of value versus that expense, especially if there's a delta higher or lower from what they're currently spending on this. If you're selling something the company's never had, like they've had a problem because they're doing a process manually and you can bring in a product or service that automates that, but they've never spent money on this before, meaning it hasn't been in the budget before. Well, (laughs) you're going to have to work on that finance buyer because you're going to have to help build a case as to why the company should spend money on something they never have previously and what that potential ROI is going to be. Then you get up the chain into authoritative buyers, those that actually make decisions. They could be the executive buyer. They're signing off on the agreement. 
whoever it is that's going to make that final yay or nay. And what we're seeing is that the larger the company you're working in, you're seeing more teams making decisions and they actually have evaluation criteria. And if you're not asking about that, you've got to ask about it. Sometimes there are spreadsheets. This is common in an RFP situation, but now I'm seeing more and more buying teams do it where they create a matrix or a spreadsheet. Here's everything we need the product or service to do. And then they stack the competition, your competition, as they're evaluating different vendors to see who shows up where in each of the different categories. Sometimes they're evaluating you behind the scenes against this criteria and you don't even know. So are you asking what they're basing their decision off of and what the evaluation criteria is. And by the way, that evaluation criteria is different for each of these types of buyers. They all care about something that has to do with that radio station that plays in their head, WIIFM. What's in it for me? You've got to understand that. You have to dissect that. So go back and look through your last several deals. Map out what the decision process actually was now that you know whether you won or lost. Then look at the trends in your loss reasons. How many closed loss decisions were made, like you didn't win, and look at the steps of your decision process that you missed. You didn't map out, you weren't nurturing all the buying relationships, and you didn't match against their evaluation criteria, and look for different trends in that. And then ask yourself, how can you show up different the next time? What can you do in future processes to avoid making those same mistakes? Let's dig in more now to the who, what, where, when, why of mapping out the decision process. First, who will help them make the decision? Who else is competing for the business? We already talked about who will help them make the decision. Who else is competing for the business? Do you ask? Do you know if your top competitor is their current provider? And the current provider is going to do everything humanly possible? to retain and save that business? Do you know if you're competing against the CFO's brother for the business? I mean, who are you competing against? Do you know that you're competing against a product or service that's like not good? Well, geez, find that out because you can help be a consultant. You can help them by being a consultant in the process and help them understand through competitive differentiation where your product or service stacks against a provider they're considering and help guide them through a very professional process to be able to identify and see how you are superior and how your superiority and features or time to uh, deployment and and going live or uh, whatever it is, little unique nuances that you bring to the table that they don't, how it makes the prospect's lives better how it helps them solve problems they weren't able to solve without you. You have to be a consultant and guide them, but are you asking who else is competing for the business? What about this? Who else on this decision team may be interested in a different solution than yours? Sometimes you look at who you're competing against and the biggest uh, mountain you have to climb to win this deal is someone on the decision team prefers an alternate provider. Okay, well, you're not involved in every meeting that they have. This happens all the time in my company. So much has shifted for me going from a former sales rep to a CEO and running a company with a 12-person team. We make buying decisions and we meet together as a team. And I may come to the table 
with a product or service that I love and I'm the CEO. But guess what? I don't do all the work in the company. Thank goodness. I have an amazing team who does that. Well, if I have a team member that comes to the table who's actually going to be the person using the product or service and says, well, I found an alternate option. I met with them and I really prefer this person. Are you the salesperson, even though you have the relationship with me as the CEO? So you think like, oh, I'm winning with the CEO. That means it's a done deal. No, I trust my team. And if my team comes to me and I have a team member, like my head of marketing that says, I evaluated an alternate option and here's why I think it's better. And here's why I think we need to move forward with it. Here's the matrix I completed. And they show me that. I'm going to trust my team member versus trusting a salesperson that's trying to earn a relationship with me. You have to realize that you have so many different nuances and facets of this decision process. It is a super complex part of sales that you have to understand. And when you can begin to master this, this is when your close rate goes through the roof. This is what separates the top salespeople from mediocre, from your bottom performers. Moving on. Who may want the competitive solution? If you can identify specifically, so let's say you're selling to me the CEO, I like what you have, but you've asked me, hey, who on your team might be interested in a different solution than ours? I, it's 2021. People are very much into team decisions at this point. You all seem to be an innovative group. I'm sure someone else on your team is bringing forth alternate ideas. What are they considering and why do they why do they like it? What stands out to them? Well, if you ask me that question, I'll probably be open with you because if I like you and I like what you have, I'm not opposed to telling you the other options we're considering and help you shed some light on that. What, what are we not asking them? What do we not know? What are we missing? And I may look at you as a consultant, but I'm not going to do that if you're not asking the question. Next, the what. What is the criteria for the decision? The last time they did business with someone, how did they know they were making the right decision? That's a great question. What was their criteria? Did it pan out to be the right criteria? Was it meeting their needs? What went right? What went wrong? Asking what tools do they use to evaluate the various competitors? Sometimes, especially if you're selling a technology, they might be asking for a sandbox version or to have something they can play in and customize or a free trial potentially. Uh, what tools do they use to evaluate the various competitors? Are they using just a spreadsheet matrix to look at it side by side and then doing a demo? with a solutions consultant or sales engineer and really determining what the technology can do? Are they speaking to your clients as references? That's a tool they could use to evaluate the various competitors. They could be going online and doing their own research, reading blogs, testimonials, comments, reviews. And lastly, that criteria document, will they share it with you? All right, moving on to where. Where will the decision be made? And I think about not just where physically, but at what level in the organization. Do you understand where that decision is? Is it executive level? Is it team level? Is it a combined level? Uh, we've talked about criteria, but where in that where in the organization, at what level will the decision be made? And also understanding the bigger the company you work with, you may have various locations. You might have satellite offices. You may have a headquarters in a different location. You may have headquarters in Boston, but the decision team you're working with, maybe you're selling to the IT team or the marketing team. Maybe they're based in Dallas. So can the 
conversation completely be taken to a decision point with that satellite office or with a decision team? Or do you need to go to corporate? How does that work? I know you're all laughing at me right now because we as salespeople, we don't go anywhere right now, do we? No, (laughs) we sell over Zoom, but you get what I'm saying. When? When does the solution need to be up and working? Oh gosh, I love a timeline close like nobody's business. I sold payroll. Payroll has a processing date and a check date. Like you have to work around go live dates that are very real timelines. Figure out what the real timeline is in your business that you can get the commitment in back into that date. Because if the solution needs to be up and working by a certain time frame, you then have the right as a consultant to back into the number to say, if you need to be up and running by this date, here are the steps of the process that need to occur. We need a decision and signed paperwork by this date. If you're getting legal involved, we need the final review and contract executed by this time frame. Then we will have a 48-hour window to gather all the documents and requirements that we need. We'll schedule a welcome call. Then we go into our project management timeline of 90 days. We follow the waterfall method. Here's your project management team. You can see through these various states, the requirements that we're going to ask of you, the time it's going to take, et cetera. You can use a timeline and understanding when the decision is going to be made to your advantage if you have an understanding of when the solution needs to be up and working. So you also want to find out when in the process the actual decision is made. It's interesting because sometimes somebody will choose their provider but still ask them to go through other steps of the process. And it's very interesting because if you look at the decisions that need to be made through a process, sometimes with an RFP, they'll say, first round is fill in the blank. These are the dates. We are meeting with 10 agencies. Then we're going to filter it down and we'll decide on our top three agencies by this date. Then we're going to ask them to go through this exercise or fill in the blank. Then we're going to narrow it down to here. But when we select that top provider, it may not be done yet. We may award it to you, but then we're going to go through this type of process here. But to understand when in the process that decision is made, how you're going to work through it, you need to know if there are logistical concerns over those implementation timelines. I used to have big months in July and January. A lot of people doing conversions on July 1 and January 1. It's pretty typical for my industry. And I remember how difficult it was planning that July 1 conversion because everybody has all those vacations, right, when summer starts. And I learned my lesson. I had so many July 1 conversions that would push to August, September, October, and eventually just to January because we weren't able to align calendars and work around people's timelines. So be smart about the when in your decision time frame. And then going into the why, why is the decision made this way? Have you ever asked that question? It can feel like you're acting on the challenger sale, pushing back a little bit, but sometimes prospects and buyers have these super wonky (laughs) decision processes. You're like, why are you doing it this way? This is illogical. This is a waste of time. This is convoluted. This is not something I want to be a part of. Understanding why is the decision made this way? One of the companies that we're working with right now, I was coaching them through a process they got an they they uh, had an inbound lead. It was an amazing discovery call. Opened up the door for them to say, "Wow, you hit all the marks." But the executive team wants to evaluate three agencies. Okay, so they met with two others, and then they said, "You know, we're just going to formalize this into an RFP, 
and this is how we're going to make our decision. And one of the steps of the process was completely ridiculous. It was not built correctly. And I coached my client to say back to them, why is the decision being made this way? And the behind the scenes reason was because it wasn't realistic and it wasn't setting anyone up for success. And they helped them see that. And so they were able to rework the process. The client, the prospect actually reworked the decision process because they were able to be a consultant and tell them, this is not the best way to go about it, which is amazing. Also understanding why do they need competitive bids? Just because somebody wants to see someone on the decision team wants to see three bids. Well, hopefully if you follow this process from the very beginning, you already know who all the players are. You've met them. You're building relationships with them. You're talking with them. You're earning the relationship. And hopefully if it's just a courtesy to say like, hey, we need three bids, you can work your way through that and help them understand, help have them help you understand why so that you know the pricing is fair and competitive. Okay, great. Or fill in the blank. What is the reason? Help them understand. And then why are they going with their current provider? Meaning, why are they looking to leave? Why are why wouldn't they just take everything that they learn by meeting with the competition to their current provider? So you and, and your competition, why wouldn't they just take what you all are proposing, take it back to their current provider and say, hey, can you guys do this? We would prefer to keep the relationship with you. Do you know the, how often that happens? You guys have to have lost deals, right? Because they decided to stay with their current provider. Oh, you've got to uncover that and ask those questions. All right, lastly, how do they decide? In a committee? Is there a chain of command in a functional area? Is it consensus or directed? This is what I spoke about earlier, so I won't be redundant, but I'm putting this into the how category because I told you who, what, where, when, why, and how, and making sure that you have an answer to all of those questions and can understand. Ultimately, you just need to stand apart from the competition and show up different. Go back to what I said in the very beginning of this podcast. If you understand, and acknowledge that the way your prospects and buyers are going to buy from you, it's not standard. You can't copy paste. You have to be the detective. You have to investigate. You have to ask questions. You have to learn. You have to figure this out in the beginning so that you can be in control of your sales process. You can guide them down a path to make a buying decision together to craft the solution together. And you need to know who all the people, players, influencers, everybody is on this. All right, that's all I have for you today. I'm excited for you to implement this. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Quota Crusher Podcast. Did you like it? Be sure to give us a rating and share it with your friends. And don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Lastly, if your company needs a boost in revenue, like real revenue growth, send me a message and we'll discuss how our team builds revenue engines for our clients, covering all facets like marketing, sales, rev ops, and customer success. Until next time.